Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. We're on season four, episode number 35. Tonight is the songs edition or the music edition. Andy, how are you? Doing good. How about yourself? Good, good. It's July 13th, 2023. We've got music tonight. We're going to do an album review. Andy's going to talk concerts and upcoming uh, music news. Yep. But it's always fun to do an album review like this. I was looking forward to this. In fact, I learned a lot, Andy. Uh, this is an album. We're going to do a Metallica album tonight. Learned a lot by doing this this past week, doing some research, getting ready for the show, learning a lot of things that I did not know in the past. The album we're going to do is Ride the Lightning, Andy. Ride the Lightning. Learn things. That's what we do here. We educate people. It's an educational show. You know, I remember yeah. in the, back in the early in the mid 80s, uh, liking this album, liking the songs. But it wasn't until I got a fuller uh, understanding um, recently as an adult, you know, going through the lyrics and some of the musician, musical stuff that's built into this album that's very, very unique. Ride the Lightning is the second studio album by American heavy metal band Metallica, released in 1984. It went six times platinum. Now, the, this, uh, this, this album was recorded in Copenhagen, Denmark. The artwork on the front is on a concept that, that depicts an electric chair being struck by lightning following the band, uh, following for the band logo. You see that there? If you look closely, you can see yep. the electric chair for those newer listeners and the lightning storm in the background. It's an electric chair called Ride the Lightning. Now, this title came from a passage from a Stephen King novel. The novel was called The Stand, where a character uses that phrase to refer to execution by electric chair called Ride the Lightning. And that's where it came Came from now. Although this album is rooted in thrash metal genre, the album showcased the band's musical growth and lyrical sophistication. Bassist Cliff Burton introduced the basics of music theory to the band and had more input in the songwriting. You know, one thing I didn't know, Andy, is how much influence Cliff Burton had on this album. Not just from playing, you know, gifted young man playing bass, very good. But I didn't know how educated he was and intelligent that he took a lot of band members under his wing for this album and um, kind of uh, enlightened them with some of the uh, things that he was doing musically. It was very, very nice to see that. Yeah, the internet being what it was then compared to today, a lot of people weren't aware of his intelligence and his uh, influence. But uh, doing the homework now, people are realizing that. Yep. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. So. What they have is they've got they have eight songs on the album, eight songs. And Wikipedia has a, a nice it breaks down each of the songs with a little sentence, a couple sentences or two here. I'm getting some feedback, Andy. Are you having any feedback on your side? I am good right here. You're good. Okay. Awesome. So the album starts off with "Fight Fire with Fire," very good speed metal song. Um, very popular song uh, as well. Next song is Ride the Lightning. First song um, to really emphasize the misery of the criminal justice system. The lyrics. The lyrics here are all about being wrongly accused and being sent to the electric chair for a murder that you did not commit. And so it kind of talks about that concept of being stuck in the middle without... Uh, good representation with lawyers and uh, being falsely accused for something. And next thing you know, going to the electric chair. Next song is For Whom the Bell Tolls. This is very 
interesting. The beginning of this features Cliff Burton's bass guitar, but many people mistake it for an electric guitar because he augments the bass with distortion and a wah-wah pedal to get the sound of the beginning of that song for whom the bell tolls. Very well done there by Mr. Cliff. Fade to Black, power ballad about lyrics about suicide. Now, really, this is a J uh, James Hetfield wrote the words here. The because he was feeling in 1984, they had, they had their equipment stolen in January in Boston, January 1984, before a show. All their equipment was stolen. And so uh, he felt powerless, uh, and uh, Bade to Black is when he decided to write that. Trapped Under Ice is a song, uh, lyrics about a person waking up from a cryonic state, kind of like a cryogenic freezing. I'm thinking of uh, the image from Austin Powers, Andy. Yes. <laughs> so imagine that, uh, and then being um, waking up uh, in the ice, and then... Um, Helplessly awaiting your impending doom. Very interesting. Now, Kirk Hammett, Hammett, former band was Exodus. Uh, it was inspired. Some of their uh, the music there in this song was from his previous band, Exodus. The next song is Escape, originally titled The Hammer. This song was intended to be released as a single due to its lighter riffs and conventional song structure. Now, this song is Hetfield's most disliked song on the entire album now why do you ask why is it so disliked why is it so disliked dan well hetfield said it's a result of the record company forcing metallica to write something more radio friendly they wanted to uh, get a little more airplay on rock radio well the, the song itself uh, was not that good. And I never knew it really why, but it was one of the songs I never really liked on the album. And now it kind of makes sense. It's, it's kind of faked and kind of forced. They, they did it that way because the record company wanted them to get more airplay, be on the radio. They were forced them to do it. They didn't like, they kicked back, they pushed back. It never did get released as a single. But what's your thoughts on that? Well, that was the thing back then. You know, Metallica, the, the hard thrash metal that was only played late at night on your rock stations so you have something that's a little more uh common a little more uh mainstream a bit more play during the day at least that song many bands have released a cover tune or a ballad right away for that reason um you know night ranger for example very good rock band but you wouldn't know that by the songs they released they released all the little ballads and little girly songs it's the deeper everything else was good um metallica credit to them stuck to their guns and didn't do it but later on they sold out to the man and finally made videos which they said they never do and that worked out for them so maybe they could have been that you know that much more famous that much sooner but who knows now they were they were young i, I would call it immature not in a bad way but they were they were immature yeah. guys this was just their second album they released well, started came to them so fast too they didn't yeah. play clubs for a year i mean that was boom here we go and they wanted to stick to the guns and, and kind of uh do that but it didn't it didn't it didn't obviously work they never did release that song now that song it's a good trivia question Andy, there's a song called Escape, was never played live in their performances ever. Metallica never played that song live. Now, 
the exceptionals once. They did play it live once. In 2012 at the Orion Music and More Festival, they were there to play the entire Ride the Lightning in its entirety album. So they had to play Escape. But other than that, they've never played that on purpose. Never played Escape, the song, live at a show. So it makes sense. Makes sense. The last two songs, last two songs on the album. Creeping Death describes the plagues of death and the firstborn from the Bible story, from the Exodus story in chapter 12. The lyrics talk about the 10 plagues where, uh, and this is where Moses now goes to the Pharaoh uh, repeatedly to say, let my people go. They were living in slavery for 400 years. The Pharaoh kept saying no, and each one resulted with a plague of things happening there in the country. Finally, after the final straw and the Passover was created, where they put the blood over the door, the Passover, the firstborn son in every family that didn't have the blood over the door, the firstborn son was killed. And so this song is called Creeping Death. It really talks about that final, final plague and how the, you know, how the country dealt with that. You, you wake up the next morning and all the firstborn boys in every family that didn't have the Passover was dead. Now, the reason they brought this topic up, Cliff Burton they were all gathering at Cliff Burton's house at his place. I'm, I'm assuming it was an apartment back then. And he had the movie The Ten Commandments on. The old school movie The Ten Commandments, Andy. What's, what is it, four, six, five hours long, that whole movie? Yeah. That scene was on. And they said that'd be a great topic for a song uh, to be inspired by uh, how that all took place. So, once again, Cliff Burton here is uh, watching the movie Ten Commandments. I can't imagine anyone else in that in that band sitting down to watch the movie the 10 commandments except cliff burton i, st I was struck uh, kind of funny reading that the call of cthulhu now the call of cthulhu is an instrumental at the last song uh, it was originally titled when hell freezes over this was inspired by the, the by the book by hp lovecraft called shadow over innsmouth which Cliff Burton also introduced to the rest of the band. Cliff Burton says, hey, here's a good book. Here's a good book. Read this book, The Shadow Over Innsmouth. And once again, Cliff Burton's bringing all this educational intellect to these <laughs> to these thrash metal guys. He's no mad. And teaching them. And so that is a very good instrumental. Best part of that, there's a two-minute bass solo that Cliff Burton so those are the eight songs. This album went six times platinum. Yeah. This album overall um, had a lasting impact on genres such as crossover thrash and hardcore punk. I mean, th this was a very influential album when it first came out because thrash was new. Thrash metal was very, was very new. It was kind of had a punk feel to it. Um, this album is also called an all-time metal classic. And yeah. one person said that Ride the Lightning is good as an album where it's it's an album where extreme metal becomes art because it's so good and very artsy and very intelligent with the uh, lyrics and the music composition. It's very, uh, there's a lot of art in it. Very good stuff. Now, they made 75,000 copies repressed of this album at the beginning for the U.S. market. Well, in... France, in 1984, the French record label, Burnett Records, misprinted the color of the album cover, 
printed 400 copies in green instead of the blue like you see on your screen right now yep. before uh, someone there uh, in the work line said, stop the presses. We don't want this in green. It's supposed to be blue. So, Andy, there's 400 copies floating around of green. Ride the Lightning that are probably very expensive right now. Very good collector's items, yes. Now, I know you've got some updates uh, on this, but, um, you know, as far as – here's the members, the, man, the members of the band – James Hetfield, lead vocals, rhythm guitar. Hetfield was a guy that was doing rhythm guitar, and you know he, he's okay doing lead vocals, but he wasn't sold on the fact that he's going to be doing double duty, and he got more comfortable after this album at doing both because um, this was a guy once again uh, not a lot of confidence in the early going, and finally you know you have to have that ego being in a band like yeah. this. You've got to come across on stage, and Hetfield was not sold uh, at the very beginning. Now Kirk. Hammett was lead guitar, very good. Cliff Burton, bass. Lars Ulrich, drums. Now, Lars, Lars was not that well. Uh, well the Ringo star of the group. In drumming. Yeah, yeah. Heavy metal's answer to Ringo Starr. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so before they got in the studio, uh, Mattel, uh, he said he wanted to work with a guy named Fleming Rasmussen. Um, uh, to help him work on some of the stuff. And he says, I'm a drummer for Metallica. I want, I want a little advice on some things and get taught. And the first words out of his mouth were, what, what is Metallica? I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. So this is early on. This is 80s, you know, 84. Wasn't sure. But Rasmussen had the support of the drum roadie named Fleming Larson to t teach the basics of timing and beat duration to Lars Ulrich, who had a tendency to increase speed and had very little knowledge of rhythm theory. How did he get that far from being a drummer without knowing that? That just I, blows I me away. I don't know. Um, you know, and, and to this day, there's a lot of you know fans that think Lars Ulrich is a great drummer, and he's, he's gotten very good over the years, and he is a very good drummer. But this is their second album, and there was so much that he was behind on that he had to take almost classes to be – as far as to understand what it is that he's doing to get the big picture rather than just banging on the drums. And so this is an education for him as well. I wonder if he was one of those self-taught guys and no offense, it was thrash metal. So you just know the basics. He knew how to read simple music. Maybe that's it. But when you got three awesome guitarists up front, I could be the drummer for that band. Oh my gosh. So, so that's the group. That's a, that's a, uh, group in the band, uh, the the result of the single they released, they did release Creeping Death as the single, um, the one about the Egyptian, uh, the, the plagues, and that is very, very good. The rest of the songs are good. It's eight songs. It's a very quick listen. It's 42, I think 42 minutes for the entire album. 47 minutes, actually. 47 minutes. But very influential. That's a song. No, that's pretty good. Very influential stuff. The The lyrics... It's all basically Hetfield does all the lyrics is yeah. where his um, really brings a lot to the table. Very excellent. Very excellent album. Do you have anything more on Metallica, Andy? You know, this album after this, they finally got their deal with Electro, a major record company afterwards. So these two album sales based on a small budget record company got them to Electro, who was really not one of the big boys, but big enough in the heavy metal scene at the time. You know, like I said, Metallica stuck to their guns. Wasn't going to do the, the poppy stuff. Wasn't going to do the ballads to get out, this and that. Um, very – what's the word I'm looking for? 
very intelligent men, the guitarists anyway. Um, Hammett, Hatfield, Cliff, very smart guys, as you just saw the stuff Cliff did. Like I said before, he's kind of like the Eddie Van Halen of that genre for guitar players or bass players. Um, Hammett's very skilled at guitar. Hatfield, great. Um, and their stuff was, like I said, it was that next level up from punk on the volume dial. You know, let's go a little more. Let's clean it up a little bit, you know. Hey, here this heavy metal, this, this hair band stuff's coming, but let's cross it with punk. That's kind of what Metallica was. Which not saying that's a bad thing. I it's good. I liked it. I'm just saying that's a, to me how I describe it to someone who how would you describe Metallica? A hair band and punk kind of crossed, you know. And this was the and this album, um, the last one that had some original, you know, some of the riffs uh, com composed by Dave Mustaine, who went on to form um megadeth and so he was yeah. in metallica for the first album and then uh took off uh and uh well well left i guess but he was asked to take off asked to take off and so this is no uh, no mustaine on this it's all headfield but some of the uh composition of some of these uh some of these riffs still had his uh fingerprints on it so to say did you have anything else on metallica <laughs> i just you know yeah nothing against kurt hammett just if mustaine could have stayed there and if it was with that tragic bucket bus accident, what those three could have done. Yeah. Uh, Cliff Burton died very young. Um, very talented musician as far 23, as... 23, 24 years old, yeah. Very intelligent guy. Yeah. I got a couple other little things here. I got my little slideshow going here. little tidbit. One thing, I did see this article this week about Dave Mustaine talking about thrash and glam metal. How Metallica and crew were kind of actually similar. Uh, and this is why I got a problem with media today. So you're comparing Metallica and Motley Crue. So you take their early pictures. That's great. Then you got Dave Mustaine there looking like the guy from Star Wars, the Emperor from Star Wars. You know, they could have used an older picture for him too. Just don't make him look like Grandpa there. But anyway, Dave went on this interview that was on a website. I got the article posted on our social medias there on Facebook. Basically compared the first two Motley Crue albums to some early Metallica and said they were very similar. You listen to the guitar plays and the, the voice octaves of both James and Vince at the time, everything else. It's just one was going out there in jeans and leather and the other was going out there looking like whores and hookers, you know. So that was the difference was the dress code for some of the albums. And that's where I kind of say Metallica has that sound of punk and hair bands. They just kind of mixed them together. But there was a lot of... Uh, fighting amongst metal fans for a while that you can't like Motley Crue and Twisted Sister and Poison and Metallica. You like one or the other. Some of us didn't care. We listened to both, but in public you had to pick a side and it was kind of a kind of the old uh, East Coast, West Coast rap stuff in the late 80s, 90s there. You know. Birthday's got one birthday we want to bring up. Um, would have been this man's, well, still was his birthday yesterday. Eric Carr of Kiss. Yes. Um, passed away way too soon, 41 years old. Um, he's, like I've said before, when I was talking about Bruce Kulik, uh, when he was a guitarist with Kiss, how he was kicked out basically for money so they could do the reunion tour. Yeah, Eric Singer replaced Eric Carr, but if Eric Carr was still there, of course, he would have been kicked out. I think he'd be doing what Bruce is doing and just playing in some other band. Bruce is with Grand Funk Railroad right now. Eric would have found a band and kept playing just for love of the music. Um, 
He was a, such a special talent, such a special guy. And, the, okay, I'm trying not to be biased here, but I think he gave Paul Stanley a run for the gals too, but I'm just saying. Well, Eric Carr had a great personality, fun to be around, lively guy. He'd be a guy that if he's still alive today, I'd love to hang out with the guy. Eric Carr, you and yeah. I would both have a blast hanging out with this gentleman. He played a lot of practical jokes in cases yeah. from what I have heard uh, as well. Very fun, great personality. If he wasn't playing, he'd have a show on Sirius XM or something like that where he'd be doing something. He'd he'd still be involved in music and have him metal somehow, some way, I think. Our friends Don Grotta are on tour. There they are. Nice. The 14th will be in St. Paul. So next week, they're hitting the road hard. And their little uh, van they got there, I think, from the state prison that they transfer prisoners in. Perfect. Um, there they all are. Talent so is the so I like that T-shirt in the front, that Kiss. That's a 1974 yeah. album cover for Kiss. That's a classic T-shirt right yeah. there. Yeah, there they are. So good luck, boys. We want to see pictures. We want to hear hear all about it later on. If, if you catch them, their new EP dropped a couple weeks ago. Covers, Volume 1. Check it out. And Judas Priest is replacing Ozzy. On the Power Trip Festival tour out there in California. Um, I know when Ozzy was announced for to be on that tour, he had just said he wasn't going to tour, that he was going to do this. I think just Ozzy's not the youngest cub out in the forest anymore. So uh, Priest is going to fill it or is going to replace him and take his spot. So good luck to Ozzy. Hope all is well. Hope you can maybe, he might still pop up for a song or two. You never know. It's Ozzy. So. The Music Room out in St. Michael, the world's smallest stadium. They have their outdoor amphitheater now. Uh, Summerfield Amphitheater, and there's some bands there. Some stuff there. Wait, what's that I see in the middle there, Dan? Warren. Warren, August 11th. So I hear they're a very good show. Um, it falls on a Friday Lane. night also. Yeah, and the guy who replaced Jane Lane does a good job. Some of their newer songs that they recorded with him, very good. So give them a shout. I've heard other people have seen them. They come highly recommended. So Now, this is a Friday night in August, outdoors. Uh, Andy, uh, whether it's warrant or not, you got to love live music outdoors on a Friday night in Minnesota. Right. This is going to be yeah. a blast. Yeah, so this should be fun. Mystic Lake, out there in the Prior Lake area. Here's some bands coming up. They got tons of bands out there. I'm just going to mention four that kind of cover our wheelhouse here, people we've talked about here. Steve Miller Band on the 6th of August will be out there. Hailstorm later that week on Friday the 11th of mm. August. Daryl Hall with the Daryl Halls, with Daryl's house band and special guest Todd Rundgren. Um, I've mentioned this before. Daryl Hall used to have a show, Daryl's House. Live from Daryl's house. He had other musicians over, and they just sit downstairs, talk, and jam. I can see a lot of those episodes on YouTube right now. I don't feel it's with that same type of attitude at this show. Just Daryl jamming his songs, other people's songs. Should be a good time. And then October 14th, Sticks, uh, Saturday night out there at Mystic Lake. That should be fun. 
And got to wish good luck to somebody, a friend of ours, friend of the show. One of our first interviews I think we did too back in the day. Miss Carrie Deans is a member of Heartless and of the Stoners. She has taken a job at the University of Alabama Huntsfield, so she'll be leaving at the end of the year. And so here's her schedule for all her different things. She's kind of a busy gal. Lord Fletcher's on August 20th with the Stoners. The Duluth Tribute Fest up north. Hmm. Uh, playing back-to-back -back days for Heartless. Uh, Moondance Jam next week with Heartless. A couple dates there at Medina. Shakopee Bowl to Stoners on October 6th. So. No, and look at the uh, July 20th, a week from tonight. Moondance yeah. Jam in Walker, Minnesota. Uh, Walker, Minnesota. Outdoors, Heartless. Great chance, yep. if you haven't, to get – to listen to Carrie Dean's outstanding vocalist does some very great heart songs and some other yeah. uh, bands as well. But if you get a chance to see Heartless there in Walker up north uh, a week from tonight, that'd be a good one. Um, I don't know if the band's going to still continue if they're going to be another singer or what they're going to do, but uh, we'll put some of our best people on it. Well, intern Kevin will be on that. We've been to a couple of their shows. We've had her yep. on as a guest for the show here. Uh, a very good talent. Um, and it will be missed here in the in, in the Minneapolis uh, St. Paul area. They played a lot at Ziggy's and Stillwater is kind of their yep. location. A lot of bands put down there. Ziggy's is a good place to go. September second, giggles at the State Fair for the Stoners. So there you go. And the homework assignment is something I put on the social media earlier today. Had some replies. Looking for what tribute band would you like to hear us interview on the show? Is it your own tribute band, one you've seen? Um, and like I said, we've had Non Grata on, and they're not a tribute band. They're a regular band. If it's one of those local bands you want to be on too, we'd love to hear from you. Either reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, leave a comment here on this on the show page on YouTube, and we'll get to you and try to book up stuff. Um, we've had some good responses with our interviews we've done. The bands have from what I could tell, we enjoyed them. So we'd like to do more of that. And so uh, we want to kind of book up the rest of the year here and see what you got. If you got a concert you want to be doing soon, you want to be on the show and watch that, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 stuff like that. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question to get out there, uh, see who wants to come on and do a show like this. We're a big fan of the tribute bands, of course. So that is awesome. Locally, we mentioned just locals, but Duluth Tribute Fest. We didn't cover most of Minnesota for the concert scene. So if you're a Brainerd-based band, still love to have you on. Um, Southern Minnesota, love to have you on. But mostly our wheelhouse is right here in the Twin Cities, but we, we cover. We are listened to in what I say, almost 40 different states and umpteen different countries. So that does not mean we want the David Hasselhoff tribute band from Germany on the show. <laughs> Perfect. And if they're welcome to be on, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to help your career that much. Three guys in Germany probably already heard of you. So. Awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun topic interviewing these guys, uh, the yeah. local bands. It's always fun. Can I get to see you there? Yeah. That's all we've got for today's show. So uh, hit like, <clears throat> share, subscribe, and um, <clears throat> we'll see you next week, everybody. See ya. Have a good one.